Hello and welcome to another episode of Chasing Excellence. My name is Patrick Cummings and as always I'm joined by Mr. Ben Bergeron. We are also today joined by our friend E.C. Sinkowski. Every week here on the show we dedicate some time to exploring how we can live a life of better health and increased fulfillment. We answer your questions about the five factors of health, dive deep on living a life of excellence, and explore the strategies and frameworks to help us chase what truly matters. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you guys? Good. My worlds are colliding here. Right now, right? <laughs> I'm going to try really. When I close this episode, it's going to be very hard. The universe is actually like folding on itself right now. <laughs> when we close this episode, it's going to be very hard for me not to screw up which show right. I am saying come back next week because we'll have another episode. Uh, this week, we've got questions about how to train specifically for a 500 pound deadlift into a sub five minute mile, fasting as a CrossFitter, and how to get out of an injury rehab injury cycle. Our workout today is going to be a conversation about how to sell substance at a time when it's so easy to sell sizzle. And lastly, we're going to wrap up with a uh, chat about core CrossFit memories, core memories from CrossFit. The three of us collectively have been doing this for quite a long time. So I thought it'd be fun to uh, cool. go way back and talk about how uh, and in which ways we got kind of hooked on it. Ready. Ready. Let's do it. Normally, we start every episode with questions, uh, listener questions about the five factors of health, those few fundamental behaviors that most positively affect our performance, vitality, and longevity. Usually we do one question each on how we eat, how we move, how we think, how we connect, and how we recover. But because our good friend EC is here, I want to make sure we don't uh, talk too long. So we're going to do three questions. We're going to do one in the move category, the eat category, of course, and in the recover category. So we're going to go first from the move category. And this is from Steven. He says, 500-pound deadlift into a sub five-minute mile. Timer starts when the weight hits the ground. How would you recommend... Uh, how would you recommend training for this challenge? I CrossFit five days a week and go for an hour-long trail run on the weekends. My deadlift is 370, and my mile is five minutes, 30 seconds, and he comes from a distance running background. Ben, I'll let you go first. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Please. <laughs> okay. So first, cool, cool challenge. I like it. Yep. Um, so 500-pound deadlift plus a five-minute mile um, immediately. So what's his name? Steven. Steven. Um, so Steven's 30 seconds. So how far would we have to work, right? So he's 30 seconds away from his five-minute mile, but he's uh, 130 pounds away from his um, uh, back – 500-pound back squat. Uh, sorry. I think that that's the area of focus that we need to focus on primarily more. The idea is that um, strength takes years – Conditioning takes months. So I would uh, encourage him to go heavy into the deadlift aspect. And then I would have him pull away a little bit from the endurance running. This There's nothing to do with endurance and what he's about to do. Mm -hmm. um, and um, do more speed and interval work. Okay, so that's like the really high arching thing. Here's like the way more specific. Um, once a week, build up to... A, this is going to sound weird, but a um, heavy three rep um, box back squat. Okay. So um, that's with shins vertical to a box that is, this can also sound weird, slightly above parallel. That position actually mimics the position of a deadlift. Right. Yet you are going to incorporate more muscles than you would in your deadlift. This is straight from West Side stuff. So those guys don't actually deadlift as much as they box squat and they have the, some of the biggest deadlifts in the world. Mm. So that would be where I would start with this. And then another day a week, I would work on a deadlift and I would have that be in the three to five rep range only because you can get the more volume without as much CNX taxing on the body as doing a single. Um, you could also start to incorporate some bands and chains and other things, depending on where the weak spot is there. So from the strength component, um, box squat above parallel once a week of one to three reps, and then deadlift once a week, three to five reps, chains and bands might be useful if that lockout position at the top is tough. Um, how often would you have them test ish for one rep? Uh, I, I, I wouldn't. I would let the other make sure the other ones are going up. Mm -hmm. um, so I want to see his uh, single, you know, be lifting at not above ninety percent for the box squat for singles, doubles. If it's a triple, it's probably closer to eighty five percent. And then for the three to five rep deads, those could be in that eighty five ish percentage range. And we want to see those numbers mm -hmm. going up. The testing thing, it just takes so much. Yeah. 
you're not going to be able to train. It's because you're testing. It's yeah. like you can um, compete yourself out of shape. Yeah. Um, and then I would build, I would do a fair amount of accessory work. Mm. Where's your weakest spot? Is it your hamstrings? Is it your glutes? Is it your lower back? Figure out which of those it is and lean really heavy into those things. I love um, GHD work as, as that easy kind of like build a lot of volume, but loaded. Um, and then for the running, and I, maybe I'm taking too much time here, but this Girl. is my jam. Uh, uh, for the running. Take my time on this yeah, one. <laughs> yeah. uh, for the running, you, you can have the E1. <laughs> for the running, um, really simple, five times 400 meter run with a one minute break in between once a week. Um, those Each of those times should be hard, but manageable. And the goal is to try to um, not increase volume, but increase speed. And we're trying to get those to be at your target pace. I mean, if you want to do a five minute mile, that's a 115, 400. So you got to be able to do a 115, 400, five times with a one minute break. What do you say about the rest of the CrossFit volume? How does he prioritize? Yeah. So it depends on how long he's been doing CrossFit, uh, what he's doing for, yeah, what are you doing for CrossFit? <laughs> what is CrossFit? <laughs> um, if you're how doing normal do <laughs> class affiliate programming and you're a fairly seasoned athlete, meaning you're not getting sore, except for maybe when you do Karen or, you know, Murph or something like that, but you're not getting sore and beat up. You have a lot of energy at three o'clock in the afternoon still. Keep it going. Yeah. Like that's, that actually is the base and the foundation. It will help. Um, just add in the two days of strength and uh, two-ish days of speed on top of like a regular running program. Yeah. Anything you'd see? Not much. Um, I do like this the sprint interval work, and I just think that's important to highlight for this individual. They have the they have the aerobic capacity. They're the trail runner, and they go for trail runs on weekends. And it's like, yeah, a mile. <laughs> that's much more of a sprint effort, especially relative to their capacity. So redirection there for sure. Uh, two questions. One, how long would you say like, okay, this is my goal. Mm -hmm. How long back would you go to say, this is my training period for that? Uh, starting with Steven's particular details, yeah. like, you know, where he's at Are you saying, okay, in 12 months, this is going to be realistic. Is it six weeks? Something I'd, I'd want it. So the only way I can answer that is knowing, okay, your deadlift is 370. How long has your been deadlift been at 370? Got it. If you're telling me your deadlift is at 370 and it's been there for 10 years, it's a much longer road. Yep. If you go, it's at 370 and three weeks ago it was at 330 and three weeks before that it was at 295. Okay. We're, we're, it depends on where you are in the, the life cycle of the athlete. Like, are you at your near your capacities where you're making these tiny little, like our games athletes that if they improve 2% over the year, those are huge wins. Meanwhile, if you have a new person coming in, it's essentially, we've talked about this before, first, second or third wave adaptations. A high school athlete, if they're a 370 deadlift, well, they're gonna they might be able to get to that 500 in six months or fewer. Mm -hmm. Honestly, maybe like six months to a year. But if you have an athlete that's um, 45 years old and they their their PR 370 was when they were 25, yep. we might be looking at you know half a decade. Yeah. Uh, last question on this: uh, You both have worked with games level athletes. Um, some time. You've spent some time, but you've done it. <laughs> is this uh, is this a test that most? And obviously, we'll we'll stick to to men. And but I'd love to know if like the the female version of this would be. Is this a test that most games athletes could do without specifically aiming for this, or is this even outside the realm of like you know? Oh, if you're if you're at the games, like this is a test that is within your within your reach. I I. I feel like I know the answer to that. Okay. Um, I would say it's right at the threshold of a games athlete. Got it. I would say probably about uh, – so first, let's just start off with the things individually by themselves. Mm -hmm. I think that a 500-pound deadlift is I probably 75% of the field could do that. Mm -hmm. The The five-minute mile, so meaning – just for clarity, they're running this in 459 or right. lower. Like yeah. that's not like a 525. Right. right. Um, I feel like that's about 40% uh, of the okay. field could do yeah. that. So together, I don't know how that math works, but yeah. maybe it's like 20% of the field could do this. Yeah. You it's, think it's not a gimme for it's sure. Definitely but it's definitely not a gimme. That, but people can do it at that level. What do you, What is your thoughts on what the female equivalents are of those? Uh, so a 500 pound deadlift, we could do the math really quickly. It's 70% uh, of that. So it's four, four, yeah, low fours. Mm -hmm. 
You're better. You guys well. are way smarter than I am. <laughs> yeah. She's better at math. So a 400-pound deadlift, which yeah. again, like um, in the total, you know, five, Doable, six, seven athletes get that. So it's a much lower number. And then I would say it's a 530 mile yeah. would be the equivalent of that. We'll get right back to the show in just a minute. But first, a quick word of thanks to our sponsor this week, Element. Element is a tasty electrolyte drink with everything you need and nothing you do not. With 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium per pack. The simplest, in other words, the laziest way to get your daily dose of salty goodness is to just drop a pack into your morning jug of water, but you don't have to be basic if you don't want to be. I was just on the Element website, and they've got a blog post highlighting 11 of their favorite recipes. They've got lots of fun options there from the salty watermelon to a pre-workout blended coffee and something called the cucumber mint. So if you're not a simpleton like me, fret not, you can be as fancy as you want to be and still get your daily Element in regardless of how you get it. Make sure you do because electrolytes facilitate hundreds of functions in the body, including the conduction of nerve impulses, hormonal regulation, nutrient absorption, and fluid balance. The good news is right now you can get yourself a free sample pack with any purchase. That's eight single serving packets free with any element order. Just head to drinkelement.com slash excellence to get the deal. Again, D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com slash excellence. Let's move on to our next category. Uh, and this is going to be in our eat category. Obviously, we've got DC. So we should, a little quick, and, like EC is a yeah, you know, nutrition, I thought about that. amazing. She's, she's wicked smart. Dude. Oh, dear. She's, yeah. wicked, she's oh, wicked dear. smart. And she and I also have a podcast called The Consistency Project, which I highly recommend folks dive into uh, if you haven't yet. Uh, all right. Eat category from Steph. How do you recommend doing a three to four day fast as an avid CrossFitter? Try to do the workout uh, or the workouts while fasting or plan uh, it during a three to four day rest period. I'm very curious, but you've also recent, yeah. relatively yeah. recently done a three to four day fast. Day and fast, so I kind of, yeah. I was curious what, uh, you're just your personal experience with that too, but we'll go with EC first. Oh, okay. I wanted to hear his personal no, no, no. experience. We'll do that next. Um, yeah. Fasting to me, I always like to ask the individual, why are they doing it? Like, what's the point of doing this three to four day fast? And I don't, I'm not against that. If that's what somebody wants to do for the test of it, maybe for the mental test of it, maybe, I don't know, just to not go without eating and snacking like we do so much in life all the time. And so that's fine. But when I hear now I want to combine it with fitness, I'm really just left with why, you mm -hmm. know, like, what are we trying to accomplish with this? Not eating is not in line with elite performance. <laughs> You're not going to find any elite athlete doing a three to four day fast before they go to try to train hard. And so that's why I just kind of caution us like, well, why do you need to CrossFit during this time? If it's really for, I don't know, the mental experience of it or whatever the other personal goal is, well, that that's just it. And we don't necessarily need to tack on CrossFit with it. Um, and so I would not be worried about fitness during that time. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you find a lot of people are trying to do maybe not a three day, four day fast, but yeah. even if it's just a, a intermittent fasting, like, oh, I, I get my workout in, in the morning before my first meal, et cetera. Do you find a lot of CrossFitters maybe specifically are doing that mm -hmm. in, and, to a, and to a degree still kind of getting into that trap of like, well, why are you doing that particular thing? Oh, definitely. People want to combine the, you know, we always want to combine all of the things together for what we think might be the most optimal combination of it. Um, and I don't, I think the morning workout without eating is very different than let's say finishing 24 hours of, of fast and going into a workout, right? So let's be a little clear on that because as we move away in time from when we last ate, the demands on that workout increase, right? Because it's just like a fuel tank. So as we keep moving away from the last time we ate, we keep possibly having less fuel reserve. And then it depends how hard you want to go, how long you want to go and all of that stuff. So the morning workout, especially for a CrossFit workout, which typically isn't very long, isn't going to tax those fuel reserves, just like I mentioned that 24-hour thing. So yeah, I do think people try to combine it a lot. And the evidence that it really improves performance is not there. Because again, we need that fuel to be able to perform at a high level. So it's kind of get clear in your mind what your goals are. I think there's some interesting things that you'll learn about yourself by fasting and then going mm -hmm. into a workout. Um, <laughs> yep. Improving fitness is not one of them. One of, my, one of my favorite lessons from the Consistency Project, the other podcast, is your, you know, the one I always think about is the is the cold exposure one, which, mm -hmm. as you looked into it, you wanted to keep reminding people like, well, what is the point of this? Remember, if the point of this is increased performance, let's actually measure that, and that let's not assume that performance is increasing just because we we hope it does. We increased right? our time in the back. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so to me, that's that 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 echoes what you're saying now yes. is if the point here is fitness. Yes. 
then this probably isn't the right strategy. But maybe there's another, maybe there is another goal here. Yeah. And I also don't think the evidence is there for health because you have to start looking at what nutrients am I limiting in the long term and what am I missing out on by fasting? And obviously that will be a problem at some point. And so I think there's also this idea that always caloric restriction always leads to longevity. It's like, okay, flies are interesting, but they're not us. And so we have some other concerns to worry about in terms of how that's going to play out in the long term. Just now, yeah. pull on that for a second because I don't think people know what you're talking about when you say yeah. flies. Oh, like the fly, like the bugs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there'll be studies on animals that show, you know, caloric restriction increases lifespan. Mm -hmm. And there's some realities that humans will face that are not the same as in an experiment like that, such as if we don't have enough nutrients for our immune system and we don't live in a vial or a small little closed off experimental room, we need the nutrients for our immune systems to survive. Or maybe we need the nutrients for our bone structure to be strong enough, right? And that's not where some of these animal studies are really being tested in terms of like, what are the effects of fasting? They might okay, just so be So what you're saying is that some of, the, some of the benefits of, proposed benefits of fasting, yeah, um, autophagy and cleaning up the yeah. cells and how it's related to health and mostly longevity yeah. aspect, um, those are all being derived from animal studies and not mm. human studies. Is that, is that what you're saying? I would say some of that is true. You will get kind of that cell cleanup and some of the benefits of fasting simply because of caloric control, mm -hmm. simply by cutting down the calories you're eating. And if we eat at the right number of calories, really, a lot of things go well including cell cleanup and all that stuff. That's help happening all the time anyway. And so that's when people fast and they see some really great things improve, including their blood markers. It's often just because they've gotten the quantity in line. But then this idea that now I need to go above and beyond that and be more restrictive and have less than I need, that evidence is not there in humans. But it's super interesting how you're saying, because like the evidence is there in, they've done it in rodents. And I think yes. when you say like, the, like whether it's fruit flies yeah, yeah. or like yeast or whatever it yes. is that they start with. But cool what you just said, which I, is like they're living in a very controlled environment. Correct. They're in a lab where they don't have to use their immune system. Body, immune system. That's super interesting. Totally. So you put those animals in a uncontrollable environment. We don't know then if this is actually beneficial. They're not They're not exposed to the same stressors that we would be exposed to. Yeah. Super interesting. Yeah. yeah and that's So have there been – this is the trouble with – Nutrition, yeah. right? Yeah. You can't do a double blind placebo study. Like <laughs> over you're, thirty years, you're, we're pretending you're you getting go. food, but you're not getting <laughs> yeah, food. Like, there you it's go. Impossible. There you go. That's so, the is, thing. is there anything that we can draw upon to say that fasting and like where is all, is all of this research coming from? The longevity and, research, all the longevity. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Because so how are you going like, to do a controlled fat? I mean, it's just so hard to do controlled fasting studies for humans for any long period of time. It's the same with anything that you're looking at in terms of nutrition. How are you going to do a controlled trial for thirty years? Mm -hmm. to see how it plays out. Mm -hmm. So what we're what they're doing is they're going, hey, this person who might not have been eating the right amount of calories beforehand does a three-day fast and we see over the long term some cell cleanup and we see some markers come into line, but we really don't know if that would have happened if they had just gotten their calories in line Correct. anyway without the fast. Correct. Yeah. So there there is a benefit, but there's another way to get there. Exactly. Yeah. And that's my kind of thing with fasting. I, like, I, I sort of love... Well, I do love fasting from the simplicity of it. I love it. If we could just eat between these couple hours, like, oh my gosh, and everything falls in line, I love it. But it turns out it really is just a method of controlling calories. And sometimes it works out for people and other times they end up being the same amount of weight just because in their feed window, they ended up eating enough calories or too much. Mm -hmm. They binged or whatever it is. And so the benefit really, and that's what we see in kind of some of the markers as well as weight. It's just like, did they control calories or not? So does that cell cleanup, that autophagy happen? It's happening right now, yeah. Um, even not fasting. Yeah, even not fasting. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it doesn't happen when you overconsume. No, it's- or it a, doesn't happen at the same level. It's happening all the time anyway. Yeah. Um, I think that's one of the things that people forget about biology is we often see it as like on or off when mm. really it's kind of like a, mm. a dimmer switch is a better way to think about it. And that autophagy is happening now. It's a natural process of cleaning up the cells and turning it over. Yeah. And quantity is really a driver of, of so many problems. Just think about it as like the body is overloaded with materials. It doesn't have anything. It has too much it has too much to deal with. And so once we get that in line, that's why we see all those markers come down like glucose and triglycerides and all stuff. Mm -hmm. Like the body doesn't ha is not overwhelmed with like all of these carbon and hydrogen mo molecules. Sorry, I know. We're way over time. <laughs> no, this is there's a, no time. Don't worry about this. <laughs> we're, writing the, we're writing the rules. I, I am curious about your yes. long fast and, and how it maybe... When was this? Uh... 
You think last, about it? I think it was last spring. Yeah. Oh. It wasn't and that it, long ago. But and I, and, and I, I'm, I was supposed to do one this fall and um, I'm planning on doing another one in two weeks. Cool. Yeah. I remember we, you, the like, I think it was a three-day fast, the, yes. the one that I'm thinking and we, about. And literally you were finishing the fast like an hour after we recorded two hours. Yeah, like, and you're like, oh. I was like, I'm not sure we're going to get through this. <laughs> we but did. it was very yeah. much like, um, I, I know you've yeah. done some fasts yeah, yeah. before. Um, but it was very much like, yeah, there's the whole ketosis thing. Can you feel yourself going over into that mm. mode? And is there heightened acuity and all the rest? And But I can, there was definitely like a, uh, 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 a palpable like physical yeah. shake going on <laughs> and it wasn't like a um a scary weird it was kind of like a whoa like yeah. firing type thing three days three days yeah and the point going into it was just to do it or it was uh no it was um for the purposes of autophagy and cell cleanup yeah. and longevity and all of the rest and the research had shown you know david sinclair type stuff of yeah. all like the um cell cleanup the um the um potential chronic disease stuff yeah. that might help. Yeah. So did you work out during it or did you I did not, but I did with Heather and Heather did. Got it. So this is what's super interesting about the question yeah. is like, I don't think there's a right or a wrong. I think that, well, all yeah. levels of degree, right? I don't think that a person should go in and try and PR Fran or <laughs> Murph on day three. Yeah. Um, and I think that there's, um, I would go with that there's two schools of thought. One is me, which I was like, I don't want to make this any harder than it already is. Mm -hmm. The other one is, well, this is my routine and it's going to eat up potentially an hour or two that I would have otherwise been staring at the fridge. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, I don't think that there's anything other than what do you feel like will work better for you? Mm -hmm. I'm glad I didn't work out before and during it because I feel like I would have been um, burning through stores even faster um, and... I don't want to make it any more challenging. I do think that this next one, I will train lightly because I like the feeling after a workout. I don't feel like my day actually really gets going. I feel always off a little bit because I'm a like yep. habitual morning worker outer. Yep. Um, so I will do something light, you know, yeah. a nice little e-mom of jump on a bike and do some really slow yep. burpees or strength or something like that. I'm not sure why worker outer is not a word, but I think we should en enter that mean? into the lex lexicon. All right, next <laughs> next question. That was supposed to be three minutes and we ended up being no, three. That's, okay. it's all Moving good. On. that's it for us, folks. That's Join it. us again next week. <laughs> uh, recover Bucket. This question is from Jessica. I am a CrossFit coach and I have a member who has who has a repeated back injury and is unfortunately stuck in the cycle where she does well for three to six months and then repeats the injury. Outside of safety, intensity, load measures, what else can she do? I recommended some online courses and some other things so that she could understand why and how her body was moving the way it was to make the brain connection to the body in a sense. I was wondering uh, your take on this. And Isi, I'm going to go first or, or to you first because uh, I know this is something that you are uh, dear to my heart. Yes, yeah, so that you have experienced. Well, we both have ex like, Yeah, that's I, true. Actually, you're I have right. A fusion you're, in my back. That's right. Oh my gosh, like, you've been. We so never good really, though, we've so. never really talked about it, but Isi and I've talked. So I'm going to go with her first, and then we'll get to you. Yeah, yeah, we got to get to back. Yeah. <laughs> back uh, Ben's backstory. Um, yeah, so I spent a good amount of time on the couch due to back issues, probably back pain on and off. 11, 12, 13 years, tried all the yeah. things, tried all the non-surgical things um, from, you know, whether or not that's chiropractors, PT, uh, PRP, Prolo, all this stuff. Um, I do think there's a, probably like nutrition, there's a lot of people out in this space who um, don't really have the answer for you. And they're going to try a lot of things that might lead you down some rabbit holes that are not effective. I do think really trying to find somebody who, their deal is they want to bridge the gap between kind of the classic PT and intensity is huge mm -hmm. because I think there's a lot of PT stuff that's so low intensity that works in the moment, maybe from a decreased pain. But as soon as you want to go back to something that looks like CrossFit, there's no bridging of the gap there. And so um, it, does, a couple, it doesn't prepare you for it that. It doesn't prepare yeah. you. Yeah. And so I did eventually find a couple different practitioners who were very good at that. And that was their jam. And they were like, no, 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 the body can squat. The body can dead. Like, let's get you back there. And they did some different things than I was exposed to. I think they really helped. Um, to get a little woo, if that's okay. Please. Please. We love woo here. <laughs> yes. 
We only want woo. I've, I've never gotten woo from you before, so please. It's, I'm excited. EC is n- not the woo. No. I I'm yeah, as I said, I not that I knew. I know. Is- I know. Here we go. Um, in retrospect, I think a lot of my back pain was psychological. Mm. And so, you know, there's also something to, in my opinion, having an injury and being the injured person that kind of continues that cycle to some degree. I'm not saying all back pain is made up by any means, but it's like, I'm broken. I need to see the next person. I need to see the next person. So getting out of that cycle, I think was big. And also just kind of identifying other things in your life that are triggers that maybe is resulting in your back pain because you do develop those sensitization pathways where you basically just become more sensitive to the pain because you've had pain there so so long. And so I think some of it for me was just also kind of the the mental game and getting to a different place versus just like, oh, I need to go do more um, back extensions. Was it just for you getting to that point? Was it just, just time and time again after so many years, you're like, if I don't do something else, other than this, I'm never going to get anywhere else. And there, and and is that what led you to be like, maybe part of this at least is in my head? Yeah, I mean, part of it was just the the realization. We talk a lot on our podcast about the worried well, yeah. and it's kind of that site, you know, the psychology of like I'm sick and I'm this health anxiety. And so some of it was realizing that with my back, it's like maybe I just am having all this back pain because I believe my back is broken. And I know that gets really woo, but there is something to that for like oh gosh, I need to find the next person and I need to find the next doctor and the next specialist. And so, yeah, it was just some realization that that wasn't working. And I just kept doing the exercise that didn't hurt it. And eventually kind of, I think, also got to a better spot to then, um, you know, actually really make progress on my back. And I just shared with you all that I barbell back squatted more than I have in 10 years the other day, which was shocking to me. So, yeah. Um, Jump in. Yeah. Um, So, (laughs) first off, I'm I, I love that we got to the woo and I don't think it's woo. Mm. If you have stress, it's got to manifest itself physically somewhere. Like that's just the way it goes. Some people, um, it comes about as an anxiety attack where it's a shortness of breath and they um, actually become almost paralyzed by their stress. Other people, it's going to manifest as a pain in some area. So let's back up a few dominoes. And if we are experiencing pain, not just in your back, but anywhere, this is a place that you're, um, um, I'm, I'm trying to not go woo, but it's going to manifest itself somewhere. It's yeah. going to come up, you know, and this goes right into, you know, chronic disease, like chronic disease can manifest itself as a, um, um, prolonged stress. And we want to make sure that we're mitigating that. So, okay. Having said that part, I would, I would do it. Uh, very, very tactically. And you said not just do a bunch, a whole bunch of back extensions, but here's my take on this. People don't train their back. Mm -hmm. People have really, really weak backs because if your legs get sore the next, or even better, you do a bunch of lunges and you're like, oh my gosh, my butt's so sore. That's so awesome. Or you do a bunch of, um, you know, that's what the girls do and they want that. And the guys do a bunch of bench press and like my chest is sore. That's so awesome. It's a good thing. What do people say when their back is sore? Like panic mode goes up. Like yeah. my back is sore. What's wrong with me? Mm. We don't train our backs. We don't do it. It's so weak. So for somebody that has really um, chronic and or repetitive back issues, let's start with getting it stronger. Mm. And I said this earlier, but the to me, the easiest and safest place to do that is with back extensions. And the protocol I would use is, can you do 10 slow controlled, no momentum back extensions, and then on the 10th one, hold it for a 10 second pause, Mm -hmm. take 90 seconds off and repeat for three sets. Mm -hmm. If we can do that, awesome. Let's now next time try that with 15. If you can do that with 15, we're getting some, that's not nothing, but the goal is to get to 20, 20 hip I'm not going to read, I'm not going to define, because I don't think people on on that that end, the traditional thing that you do in the GHD, um, where your back, your your lumbar back is staying in neutral position. Um, Your hips are free of the pad. Um, 20 of those followed by a 20 second pause, 90 second rest, repeat three times. If you have that capacity, then we're ready to start loading it. And the way we load it is with a 10 pound plate across your chest Mm -hmm. and we repeat the cycle. Once you get up to being able to do that for 20, 20 times three, then we go to a 15 and 20 pound plate. If you can do 20 reps with a 20 second pause at the top for three sets with a 25 pound plates, 
then, then if you have back issues, go see a specialist. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're weak. Mm-hmm. When we, when we say a weak back, or is when we that's lower back, yes, right? Obviously, yep. just to, just. To I just say like that's where the majority. Of people I agree. Like, yeah, I just, yeah. Yep. Um, but there is yes, there's thoracic and there's other issues when do you that go throw on. Throw in back extensions as we you know with the rounding through that range of motion. I wouldn't in this format. Mm-hmm. I would in a personal training situation. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. Ex- yeah, I yeah. don't want to teach somebody that through a podcast. Got it. Hundred uh, percent. Anything else on the back worth mentioning? How is your back? Sorry. My no, so what I my I'm curious uh, too. My, yeah. So <laughs> I uh, it was when Harley was born. So that's uh, 2014. So now we're going on eight years. Um, I had an L4 L5 fusion, um, and I can honest. So I. I herniated a disc, bulging herniated disc with juice pumping out of it when I was a freshman in high school. Mm. So 20 years of the disc just kind of like yeah. going away when I went final it every year. I was this person. Every year, yeah. like it would flare up every six months where I'd be on the couch for three weeks and no movement and maybe I could bike. Um, finally got surgery 20 years after the original incident. Um, and now we're 10 years almost past that. Since that surgery, I've been incredibly cautious with loading. Um, but actually just now, I'm kind of the similar boat that you, I'm getting back to some loading. And I have, without exaggeration, not had a, I have not had a single back issue since the surgery, That's which awesome. is amazing. I couldn't lift up a toilet seat yeah. or I would sneeze and I would drop to the ground off a sneeze. It was like, it was terrifying. I remember when we we had a day we were recording and you were having a bad back day. You were just like, How, what position can I possibly <laughs> put myself so in? so gnarly, right? Because yeah. like you hurt your Measurable. wrist. I'm like, okay. Yeah. I can yeah. do a whole bunch of other 100%. stuff. Yeah. You hurt a shoulder, a knee, an ankle. Like there's, your back is out. You are out. We'll get back to our show in just a minute. But first, a quick word of thanks to our sponsor this week, You Can. To get through a tough, long workout, we need a few things. We need grit, resilience, fortitude. We need fueling, but not just any fueling. We can't sugar and caffeine our way through the long, hard training sessions. Unfortunately, that's what many of the energy products out there rely on, but not you can. You can is completely different. It uses steady release carbs that maintain stable blood sugar levels and allow you to sustain peak performance. That's why this is my go-to when I'm doing the really long stuff, where I'm doing one of those like Ironman type training sessions. I'm doing the hour long plus things. You need stable blood sugar that goes long, long, long. This is the go-to for me. So if you're looking for more energy with less sugar, give UCAN a try. Head to UCAN.co slash excellence and save 20% off your first order. Use the code excellence. Again, the letter U-C-A-N dot C-O slash excellence. We have a question from Kristen. Uh, And so I wanted to start with this question, but hopefully maybe get to a couple different angles on it. Uh, She asks, I pivoted recently, or she says, I pivoted recently and resigned from working in dental wellness into health coaching and helping others feel uh, better from the inside out. I'm seeking advice on how to market transformational coaching when the rest of the online space is so loud with quote unquote weight loss and quote unquote get jacked. My mission is to empower my clients through coaching them on what it feels like to nourish our mind and body with the five factors and practices like stress management and self-care. I use macros to ensure they're eating enough real foods and, uh, and healthy ingredients. My mission isn't super sexy, but as you know, it works. How would you market this mission in one, uh, in a statement against all the other noise? So I want to, I want to start there because that's the, I mean, to, to agree me too, but like, that's what we do, right? Is, is we enter into this place where there is a lot of noise. There's a lot of people saying things are easier than they are faster than they are, but we know that they're not right with optimized me nutrition. And I joke about this all the time. You're literally like fruit and vegetables marketing department. It's just like EC's out there. (laughs) She's doing her best. Right. And CrossFit in general, fitness in general, uh, functional movements in general are harder to sell than six weeks, fat blast, et cetera, et cetera. So I wanted to start there. And then I'd like to, if we can kind of flip it and say from the, I don't know what it's called from the consumer perspective, how do we make sure we're not falling for the easy when the answer isn't the easy, the answer isn't the convenient, the answer isn't the answer we'd like, but it's perhaps the the one we need, right? So let's start with the first thing first. Let's actually start with Kristen's uh, question. I'll start with you, EC. How do you think about that? I mean, I know you think about it. We've talked about it a lot. Um, how do you think about selling the fundamentals in a world that seems to want tactics and tricks and hacks? 
Yeah. Um, they, you certainly are up against a lot in terms of like the social media algorithm and uh, you might not get as many likes and all of that stuff, but your people are out there because they are frustrated with the hacks and the gimmicks. And so you just have to be true to your message. Like there is not a single transformational pick on my social media. You know, I never post photos of what people look like before and after. I don't want to say that that's bad because there certainly is a motivation there and and that is fine, you know, so long as it's achieved through the methods people are recommending. But, um, you know, your people are out there, they're, they're frustrated. So you just sell your voice. And that's the best thing about this is then you will attract the clients who want that. You know what I mean? Like you don't want the client who wants the supplement because mm-hmm. that's, <laughs> you know, that's a, something that's not what you sell and also not going to work for them in the long term. Mm-hmm. So I know it feels like you're, you know, well, fighting the ocean or something like that, but really you're just going to attract the people who want your services. And that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what well, I, I think we could start with why does the transformation, why does the six pack, why does the, why does that, why does that work? Mm-hmm. And yes, it's people want the quick thing, but they, the aesthetic aspect of this thing is built into our biology. So we as human beings are attracted to certain things because it used to represent levels of health. And every animal in the animal kingdom is this. Gazelles, when they're trying to find a mate, bounce up really high to go like, look how spry and athletic and healthy I am. And they go, oh my gosh, look at that. They don't go look at the legs on that one, but they go, (laughs) but that's where we are. We see, you know, broad shoulders and narrow waist represented a level of functional and physical health. That's the way we would, that's the way we would kind of hierarchical pick our, our mates and the, mm-hmm. to in order for evolution to happen, this is across all species, the healthiest among us would get first choice of mates and they would propagate a healthier next generation. So this idea of um, something's wrong with that is actually wrong. It actually is, it's going to, it's always going to work Mm -hmm. for the majority because it does represent something beyond just the like, oh damn, look at, I wish I had that. It is built into us. Mm -hmm. True. So then from that aspect, knowing that, and by the way, it's just, it's gone too far, right? That's the whole thing is you don't need to have like, you don't need to be able to count the veins in your, you know, in your hip flexors, you know? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to, to be able to like, um, to be healthy. healthy. Yeah. Yeah. So what do we need to be able to do? And it's, I couldn't agree more with EC. It's be true to yourself and be true to your own voice and you will find the right people. Mm-hmm. Because the people that are going on that, uh, lack of a better term, but uh, the more shallow aspect of this are not going to be um, a long-term successful client because they're going to be wanting something else. And it's what we've talked about before is we want, you need alignment of values. Mm-hmm. So if you're, your coaching is transformative, not transactional, but you're promoting the transactional thing, you're gonna get the transactional clients, mm-hmm. the people that don't want a deeper level or willing to do the work type aspect of this. Now, having said that, I, I think that you're doing this at a very high in, in integrity level. I don't know mm-hmm. if that's the right word, you know, like not even showing the before mm-hmm. and afters. That's not because you don't have the right, results. Right. It's that's, that's not what you believe is, should be the goal right. of the program. Yeah. And the goal for your program is sustainable yep. um, habits yep. that you can do for the long time. And, you know, it's going to take a long time because it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, I feel like it has to start with, um, uh, was it, Kristen, Kristen, yep. Kristen actually said it somewhere in there. It's like, how do I? Mm. Um, and she said, can you read what she said? How do I coach with or how do I advertise? Yes, mm. hold on. Um, how would you market this mission in a statement against all the other noise? Is that what you mean? Uh, no. Before that, I think it was probably. I'm seeking advice on how to market transformational coaching when the rest of the online space is so loud with weight loss and get jacked. Okay. So what is your, that would be the thing is like, what do you define as transformational coaching? So let's put some words to that. And there is your mission statement. Mm -hmm. So transformational coaching to you is um, understanding, like if it's, if it's understanding the person, if it's, you're like an emotional coach and you'd be there to support them through that, then 
advertise that. If you're more of the foundation, like EC is, here is the really black and white X's and O's of, of healthy eating. Advertise exactly what you are. EC is so clear in terms of her messaging of what it is that she delivers as a coach. That's really easy for the audience to go and go, oh, this is probably a product market fit. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes me think of something. I worked with a gym a little while ago and one of their beliefs is they wanted to move away from the before and after stuff. Mm-hmm. They're like, they we did that. It doesn't feel real. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like it's us. It doesn't feel. And, and I pushed back on it a little bit because I think one of the things that's really important, kind of a little bit to your point, Ben, is I think it's important to recognize that some people have a certain definition of what they're looking for. Like they have a certain definition of what success is. And especially for a gym, I think, I think it lives inside of the world of a coach as well, is if you never speak to that definition of success, what's more likely to happen than not is they're going to think, oh, that's not, they're not for me because mm-hmm. they don't recognize, they're not empathetic to the fact that I think my problem is I need to lose 15 pounds. Mm-hmm. When maybe we know that the problem is probably much more complex and the solution is much more complex and a little bit slower, et cetera. But to that person who's just looking and saying, I wonder if this coach, I wonder if this gym is for me, and there's no mention of, again, whatever Before it is, right? You. Exactly. Or it could just be weight loss. It could be the whatever, whatever language, whatever that thing is that, again, to your point, like there are, like we're looking for it to a degree, right or wrong. So I'm just curious, like, is there a, is there a middle ground where you can, or you have spoken to, I don't know what's called within kind of the surface level things, mm-hmm. just simply to say, like, I get you. I understand that this is a problem or a challenge or a barrier to you. Let let that kind of get them in the door, and then you can talk to them about the more transformational, more foundational stuff. Yeah, I mean, I certainly talk about weight loss. I mean, I would probably say 90% of my post. It's yeah. just that I don't use it with pictures. And one of the reasons, I, I, again, I'm not against before and after, especially if it's achieved through the means that you're recommending, right? Like, great, more power to you. I'm not against them. But what I find with some clients a good percentage of them is that in their mind, they've associated the cover of muscle and fitness, that that is the only way to be healthy. And what we find is that body fat percentages can be much higher than that. That, And so they have to get clear in their mind what their goal is. If they're telling me I truly just want health, but they want to look like they have a six pack, okay, those aren't necessarily in line with each other. They're not necessarily at odds, but you can also achieve health without that. So I like to not present the photo in the sense that I am not defining what it is. I can give you the guidelines and then you're going to set your goal. And that if it's not the cover of muscle and fitness and that's your goal, great, then that's what I'm going to help you get. And so that's why I kind of keep away from the photos only because I don't want to pigeonhole them into that this is the only way to look from mm-hmm. this, right? Mm-hmm. How, yeah. how have you guys d- dealt with that here? I, so I, um, we've had before and after photos yeah, for those. a long yeah. time. And I think if you're going to do them, as long as you – if, if your clientele is the spectrum, because if you are, if everyone in the after looks like they're ready to walk onto stage yeah. in a bikini, right. then that's, right. most people are going to go, exactly. well, that's what success is yeah. then. That's what I need to and get to. Exactly. But what I liked about the way that we did it in the past was we had the spectrum. We had yeah. the people that lost, you know, that were 300 pounds that were now 200 pounds. Yeah. We had the people that were, um, you know, maybe, um, 30 or 40 pounds overweight that are now at a good, healthy, ideal weight. So as long as you're kind of the afters are the way yeah. that you're defining health mm-hmm. and not tipping the scale over too far, unless that's your market. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. if you are in the market of getting people ready for shows, totally, then that's what you should you show. And I, I do like pictures in the sense that um, the proof is in the pudding. Mm-hmm. Like I can deliver results. Like this is true, real... People more so they don't want to they don't want to hear what we think of ourselves, right? Testimonials go so far. They want to hear what their friends think of you. Well, that's challenging to do in most situations. So um, a testimonial with a before and after shows like, hey, I am at least so in terms of the levels of leadership, you have to show results before you can get to the next thing. You have to prove to people if you want to raise up the ranks and get people to buy into you more. You have to show them that you can get results as long as the results are in line with the way you, you define yeah. success and the, the before is something that they can identify with. That's kind of the key metrics there. For, it also know. makes me think of, we talked about, I mean, this is many years ago, we talked about it, but one of the things you you would say when somebody would come into the gym, right? Like, let's just say, you know, somebody came in and said, you know, I just, I really want to lose weight and, and look better in the bikini. The answer is is not, 
oh, that's that's not a, that's not a good goal. That's right. not realistic. We're not here, that, to, we're not right. here to tell but you. But instead, what it's saying totally. amazing. And here's let me talk to you about how we do that yep. here, how we'll get you there. Right. It's not a judgment of one goal versus the other, but right. it's a recognition that. If you're being honest to yourself, you can take that, you can be empathetic to that, and you can say, okay, let me talk to this person in a way that they'll hear you, yeah. in a way that they'll understand, so that you can get that buy beginning to get that buy-in. Um, no, I totally. I mean, I just started to add no, no, on to that, but um, I totally agree with that. Like, if somebody comes to me and they want to be that degree of leanness, I will tell you how to get there. I have no problem with that as a goal. But um, again, I find that we can make assumptions about what you know, when people say weight loss, if you have in your mind that everyone should be like the six pack, it's like, well, that doesn't necessarily square with, with reality of what's necessary, right? So it's interesting. I think there is a middle ground there, but I, I like what you said, showing the representation, I think is a good way to go about it. I want to I want to pivot just a little bit because I did want to kind of flip this around and you spoke to it uh, already a bit, but I want to see if we can't uh, unpack it a little bit more. But just on the, 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 the again, the consumer side, the, the person out there looking for a solution to a particular problem they have. And one of the things that it's funny, I was just reading this yesterday. I don't know if you, either of you have read this book. It's called The Psychology of, uh, of Money uh, by Morgan Housel. And I was just reading it yesterday. And obviously, this is not about money. But I found as I was reading this, because this conversation was going to be in the back of my, it was in the back of my head. I read a chapter he called When You'll Believe Anything. And he's got two principles in there uh, about the power of stories. And again, this is a book about money. So this is the power of stories to affect the economy. But as I was reading, I was like, this is so applicable to what we're talking about here. So I just want to give just super high level of what this chapter is about. This is kind of two main principles. The first is that the more you want something to be true, the more likely you are to believe a story that overestimates the odds of it being true. And he talks about something he calls an appealing fiction. Uh, and he says, the bigger the gap between what you want to be true and what you need to be true to have an acceptable outcome, the more you are uh, protecting yourself from falling victim to an appealing fictional or, or an appealing fiction. So in other words, the bigger the gap between those two things, the less likely you are to fall for an appealing fiction. And then the second principle is, everyone has an incomplete view of the world, but we form a complete narrative to fill in the gaps. Mm -hmm. And it just strikes me that like when we say yes to the six-week thing, when we say yes to the, 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 the fast-tracked version, version of whatever we're looking for, a lot of times it is that appealing fiction. It, a lot of times it is letting ourselves believe something because we really want it to be true versus what maybe if we were really honest with ourselves, we'd recognize Oh, that's too easy. That's too fast. It's, it can't be that simple. Mm. Thoughts? Appealing fiction especially was the thing that popped up to me. Because that to me feels like what we fall victim to. We do. Yeah, I mean, I, it, I, don't, I don't know how else to say it, but oftentimes it's just sort of like it's probably going to be, especially if you've tried a bunch of this stuff. I think yeah. that's the other thing too. You kind of have to catch yourself. It's like, haven't I done a bunch of these different things that haven't led me anywhere? Mm. <laughs> like that needs to be our kind of idea that we're not on the right path. Like I've done a bunch of these six weeks, you know, don't eat at this time and only mm. eat this food with this thing. Like maybe there's something else more <laughs> comprehensive going on. Um, and so, yeah, it's almost like calling yourself out a little bit. And yeah. I say this a lot with my, my master class. I think most of nutrition is knowing yourself and calling yourself yeah, out. I was you just going to say, well, self-awareness is huge. <laughs> the self-awareness of just being like, yeah, I'm just trying to get around this again, aren't I? Yeah. It's, it's funny. It's a little bit harkens back to your your woo-woo-ness with, mm -hmm. with your back, right? Like Totally. I've done this for 10 years. Yeah. At what point will I sit down and say, maybe, the, solu maybe the solution looks like the opposite of what I've been trying? Slow learner. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you're alone. <laughs> Thoughts? Um, I take it from the perspective of somebody walking to a CrossFit gym. Yeah. Right. And it's, um, I don't think a lot of people tell them, I don't think it's the norm mm -hmm. to that people tell themselves the narrative of like, if I can, and of course we hear it, but I don't, well, if I just work really hard for these next six months, I'm going to go to the CrossFit games or I'm going to look like a CrossFit games athlete. I think people, I think that, uh, the majority of people that walk through those doors understand the level of work that's going to be required mm. to um, lose 10, 15, 20, 30 pounds, to drop one, two, three, five percent body fat, to put on five, 10, 15, 25 pounds on their back squat. Um, and if they don't understand it when they're walking through the door, they certainly do at the end of month one. Mm -hmm. And 
I would say that that's kind of part of the idea is it's we can get so caught up into the stories before we take step one. Mm. But once you've taken step one, I think that there's obviously a new data point that helps tell in a new narrative. And we take steps two, three, four, and five. And if it's the six weeks to uh, six weeks to a six pack. And if I just, you know, if you just do apple cider vinegar every night at 4:45, you'll have a six pack. Um, well, after you do that for day one, two, three, and weeks one, two, three, four, and you haven't seen the results, um, I think it's getting to know yourself, but also being uh, realistic with the both the prescription. Like, is the prescription wrong? Um, or is your commitment to the prescription wrong? Mm. And are you just not doing what you're saying? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right. Mm. So if you're not seeing results going to a CrossFit gym, I don't think the prescription's wrong. Mm -hmm. I don't think that you're putting the work in either inside or outside the gym to see the results because we see this a lot and they fill in their own narrative and not necessarily about um, the efficacy of the program, but or maybe I didn't know exactly. That's exactly what they do. They go to a CrossFit gym and they go two to three times a week and they don't see results after two to three months. And they go, it doesn't, it's not real. It doesn't work. It's not what do you think. Well, you didn't follow you the didn't prescription. The program. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You need the program. In a hundred words of fitness, I think it's the third line in it is uh, five to six days a week. Yeah. That's a, I just, I really like, this is the, it's what we try to do as much as possible at CrossFit New England is this is the top line of our prescription is we, yes, we have the five factors and we talk and we try to operationalize all of the five factors. Well, the most that we have the most ownership and most influence over is the train category. Yeah, of course. What is the first level? What is the first line of that prescription? It is five or six days a week. Meaning if you're not coming to the gym five or six days a week, all of like, yes, we can't guarantee you results. That's the only way, the only way I can guarantee you results, and I can, is if you come five or six days a week. Mm -hmm. If we're doing that, now we're actually playing the game. And now we can teach you how to play the game even better. But until that happens, you haven't sat down at the table. You're still looking over the shoulder of somebody else playing the game. Mm. So this is where I think that the the if you want to create narratives about the efficacy of a program, you have to really do the program. It would be the same thing with EC's program. Yeah. Well, if you're if you're doing it, but kind of doing it tangentially yeah. and you're sort of doing yeah. it, like- Dipping your toes in. Yeah, like, I'm, <laughs> like, uh, uh, like I had a strawberry today. <laughs> like that's not yeah. the program. Yeah. Well, yeah. I did 100 grams. I did, I think I did 800 grams. Right, not the like, program. That's not the program. <laughs> exactly right. And it's not, I did 800 grams for a week. Right, not Yeah, the exactly right. Not the program. <laughs> yeah. So- we need to make sure that we are, uh, is it is it our compliance or yeah. is it the program? Mm -hmm. And if it's our compliance, it might not be that we're wrong. It might be that you're following the wrong program for you. Mm. Like there's a lot of ways to get, CrossFit's not the only way to get healthy and fit. It's not. Mm -hmm. So if you're having a really, really, really hard time coming into the gym five or six days a week, Maybe CrossFit's not for you, but to EC's point, if you tried CrossFit, spin, trail running, yoga, and you can't do anything for five or six days a week, it's time for you to start doubling down on your own self-assessment and go, maybe I'm just not committed to this. Maybe I don't have the discipline. Maybe there's something I need to kind of like look inside a little bit more because I can't commit to any of these things. Mm -hmm. What What is that? What is the kind of like, you're not coming in five to six days a week version of nutrition look like in your mind you see like what is the what have yeah. what have you found to be well i'm doing the thing but yeah. what what comes after the but <laughs> yeah i mean you know most of the stuff for people's goals even health and performance and so not just weight loss comes down to too many processed goodies in the diet there's yeah. they're so calorically dense they add up so fast um that you can be doing the 800 gram challenge and still slamming a pint of ice cream every night so that would that would be like, yeah, I'm doing it. And it's like, you're not mm -hmm. really doing it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And so, but yeah, you can achieve some really good nutrition results not being perfect. I don't like to put numbers on it, but you can throw one or two days a month, you know, and not have, and not really derail your goals. But it's when those pint of ice creams sneak in multiple times a week. Yeah, that's that's the problem. 
All right. Anything else on this topic before we wrap it up? No, I would just do the same thing. It's like, it just like, like, it's the same thing with the times in the gym, right? Like coming in five or six times a week, as long as that's the norm. Well, if there's a week and there's been plenty of weeks where you don't come in at all, that's okay. Get back on the horse five or six times a week. And then there's a week where you only get in three times. That's okay as well. You just want it to be the, the majority of your actions follows the prescription. And really it's like, where are you on that scale? Are you a super user? Like you're the best patient ever. You're always five or six days a week. That probably isn't the best patient because you're probably sacrificing other stuff. Mm -hmm. Are you compliant or are you non-compliant? And just kind of figure out where you are and not this week, but averaged across, it's really averaged across your lifespan, but just kind of like, where are you this month? We'll get back to the show in just a minute. But first, a quick word of thanks to our sponsor this week, Blue Chew. Gentlemen, we talk about the importance of connection all the time here on the show. There's simply no better way to build a life of health, satisfaction, and fulfillment than by strengthening your relationships. That includes, maybe more than any other, the relationship you've got with your significant other. There are lots of ways to deepen that unique relationship. And one of those ways is better and more frequent sex. That's exactly what Blue Chew wants for you. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. The process is simple. Sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. So if you're not showing up for your relationship in this important way, it's time to stop pretending it doesn't matter or that there's nothing you can do about it. Instead, chew it so you can do it. And we've got a special deal. Try Blue Chew for free when you use our promo code excellence at checkout. Just pay the $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com. Use the code excellence to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. All right, we're going to do a quick shout out. A shout out is when we uh, just highlight a comment, uh, a note that uh, Ben and I <laughs> ben and I have received just as a way of saying thank you. Uh, and this is from Seacoast Golf. Uh, I don't remember where this came from, but longtime Chasing Excellence listener, I've, I've also coached CrossFit for over 10 years. I've recently started heavily competing in amateur golf, and I must say, incorporating a lot of the mental toughness skills you speak of for your games athletes and just competition in general have pushed me to the next level in my uh, in my personal best in the game of golf. I found myself welcoming the inevitable blow-up hole in a tournament and using it as an opportunity to focus and overcome and bounce back. Just wanted to say thank you uh, for, for that, and the podcast have definitely bettered me outside of CrossFit. You play golf don't you easy well, I, I hit a ball around a course play <laughs> is a strong word for that such a good like follow-up to what we were just talking yeah. about though, right yeah, like you don't have to beat yourself up for having a bad week or a bad night or two love that so uh thank you to again i don't have the name just seacoast golf uh if you haven't yet it is awful, awfully helpful to leave us a review on apple Podcasts or uh youtube wherever you're listening to this uh does help new folks find the show so thank you in advance Okay, we're gonna do a cool down. We got maybe ten or fifteen minutes to do this. We're doing we're doing all right, even though that that first section oh, really? was, was long. <laughs> was a we, bloated. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> um, okay, so what I want to do, I uh, well, two things. First, uh, an admission from me in that I screwed up. Ben, you you and I have talked about the first hour, last hour, thirty mm -hmm. day challenge mm -hmm. that theoretically should be wrapping up on the day that we publish this. Except I forgot that EC was coming to visit us, and that this is the episode that's gonna. So we're not going to talk about that right now. We're going to figure out where and how to fit that into uh, a future episode. We have not forgotten it. Um, so one, I had, to <laughs> I had to think of something else to do here. And I started thinking about the fact that I've known the two of you since, gosh, 2007 at least, uh, if not maybe a little bit before. And I just thought how fun it is that the three of us kind of discovered CrossFit around the same time and that we're still uh, maybe not specifically in that world, you certainly are, Ben. Um, we are still in that world in 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 many ways. And so what I thought about and what I thought would be fun is there's this kid's movie, a Pixar movie called Inside Out. Have you guys seen it? Yep. Yeah, you definitely because you got kids. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, so it's this really super high level. It's it's about this this girl, she's probably like nine or ten. And the the movie is about the 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 characters, the voices in her head. So she's the emotions. Like, the emotions. Yeah. Thank one you. sadness, yeah. Sad, one anger, anger, fear, yeah. hope. It's, it's a great movie. It's oh, really cool. good. It's really, really um, good. My kids love it. And anyways, in that movie is this concept of a core memory. The, this thing that happens that sort of fundamentally cements you or changes you in some real way. And the just in the course of the movie, like they're trying to save core memories. They're trying to build new core memories. And so I just thought it'd be really fun to ask you guys, and I'll, I'll chime in as well. Like what was the core memory for you in early CrossFit when you discovered it that not like, oh, that's interesting or that's fun or that's hard, but like 
oh, this just fundamentally changed the trajectory of my life. Maybe obviously we didn't know what that meant, but like a a changing of like, I was heading sort of in that direction. And now I kind of took, you know, 10 degrees to the right because of this thing that I've discovered. Um, I'm curious what, uh, what those are. So I'm going to let you, uh, our guest EC go first. Okay. Um, it's probably gotta be my first CrossFit level one seminar, which Mm -hmm. was in May, 2006. And I still have vivid memories on on driving the road to Santa Cruz, which is a curvy mountain road. Uh, It was a car full of of people from CrossFit Boston. Uh, At that seminar, those days, they were three days long. They had all the specialty coaches there. There were 150 people. I was pulled up in the front because my squat was so bad and got squat therapy in front of 150 people. (laughs) I still remember, you know, Annie. And this is just you as a participant, right? This is me as a participant. Um, They do fight on bad at that? Because I think there's a video of you doing FICO. Oh, no, that. that's a that's a later oh, one. Okay. Um, that's where they used to do the max 500-meter row sprint test. I've never done it since. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like Annie, Eva T, and Nicole yeah. were the demos. So it's just, like, so crystal in my mind of, well, except for, I guess, for doing FICO on bed. But so yeah. many memories from that weekend. And, yeah, that's when I started training at CrossFit Boston and all that stuff. Super interesting. I'll go next and then I'll let you close it up. But mine's because mine's similar. Mine's a level one seminar as well. And so for me, I got wrapped in and and roped into CrossFit through through work. My friend John, he and I started a company called Again Faster. And my my role there was to film. And in the early days of CrossFit, there there was only like two people with video cameras. And so I I became (laughs) like a the third. And so I got to go to all these levels. They're actually hand propelled. Yeah, exactly. Like crank the video machine. Exactly. And so the first one I went to was up at the Maine State Police. Oh, and yeah. this was probably like 2007, 2008. So it was, it was after yours. But and maybe one of you guys, maybe was, you guys I were think there. I was there. You may have been yeah. there. And so this was my first real experience with like real, like we had been doing it ourselves. We kind of did it in Gold's Gym and John had gotten involved. But like this was my first real glimpse of it at, at the, you know, at the real, at a high level. And, and, so just that, just being there was, was really substantive to me. And the, but the memory I have of it uh, was, I think the nutrition lecture was day two. And so day one, we you know did all the things that was really cool. I did, a, I filmed a bunch of stuff, and we went out to lunch as we as always happened with the, at least it often happened with the with the staff. And we were at this restaurant, and like I was like, cool, I like to be here with the cool kids. And I ordered a shrimp scampi. Don't do it. <laughs> and and I and to, and at that point I like no idea like I I was still like eating like I did right. when I was fourteen, right. um, and Tony Budding who was the head of media there and uh, uh, you know bigwig there at the time and for a while, looked at John, sitting next to me he said, "You haven't talked to me about nutrition yet, have you?" And I was like, "What is he talking about?" And I just felt like I have no idea what's going on right now. And then the next day was the nutrition lecture, and I was like. That's it's amazing. Yeah. Yes. So it was though it was it, it was that on top of a lot of things, but but it was that was the moment that I was like, I don't know anything and please tell me more. Right. And I remember sitting there in the back of the lecture room listening to the nutrition. Like I think Tony did it. Yeah. And I was like, okay, like yeah. I don't know what I'm getting myself into, but sign me up. Yeah, but I'm done with shrimp scampi. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so go ahead. Then. I love that, like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Right. <laughs> I've literally can, been eating this since I, I was can just three. see, like, my, my, my 10-year-old's face right now. Right. He's yeah. like, I got caught doing something. I, I don't, don't even know what, know what, what I did. I don't know what to apologize for. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, my gosh. I have so many. It's hard to, like, pull out one. But I'd say um, if it was one that would, like, sort of um, – I'll give one that definitely changed the trajectory. It's – I can remember – I was a triathlete before this, um, and I was training for my second Ironman, and I had taken a trip to Lake Placid to mm-hmm. to run and train on the course. And I was with my training buddy doing a run around the lake, which is where the, the marathon ends. And I can remember um, explaining to him what I had just watched, which was the 2007 CrossFit Games, which was the first yeah. test of true fitness. And it trying and through that explanation, how clarifying it was to me of how strange it was what I was actually doing at that exact moment. <laughs> yeah. Versus like quite a bit what, of cognitive dissonance. Yeah, right versus like this realization. And as I was talking about, I was like, so what they do is they do a and make total sense. They do like a 5K trail run. So they're testing that aspect. Then they do the CrossFit total, which is this one rep max of these three different lifts. So you have the strength point. And then they do this 
crazy thing of rowing and pull-ups and barbells from shoulder overhead. I was like, that's the ultimate test. <laughs> and you should see these guys. They're absolute. And just this clarifying thing of like, that is in line with the way I yeah. want to pursue fitness. Not like, can I go longer and change this from an 11 hour event to a 10 hour <laughs> event? Yep. And that was like this solidifying moment of like, I um, walking out of that, actually that like training run and being like, I'm going to do this race, but I know that the, my, my future is not going to be this. It's going to be that. Did you go to an L1 soon after? Uh, yeah, I think I went to an L1. I think I, that race was, if I remember correctly, was in the spring. I, I hoped, maybe I'm wrong about that. And I think in the fall, I went to my L1 and um, opened up an affiliate that yeah. like next day. Yeah. <laughs> Were you at the 07 games or was it something? No, I watched it. Yeah. Okay, cool. um, and I wasn't even at the 08 games, but 09 was what the first you, How did you even know the 07 games were going on? I was just following, just like the same, like yeah. I was following CrossFit. I was okay. on the forums. Already, I was okay. doing it. Like I was like. I see. I had done already, like, but there's I was a, already there, doing there's a it. Period where you're just like on the outside. You know, like, we all like we all kind of like through 2004, five, six. We all did this thing, but when the games happened, it cemented mm. what this thing was that mm. we were doing. It was this is because you do a workout of the day and it has the squat you know, five, five, five squats. You do a workout that has the 5K and you do a workout that is Jackie, but that's on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. When they go, hey, these three things together are a complete test of fitness and amazing how much it's evolved. Mm -hmm. But you go, oh my God, it's like nothing else I've ever seen before. And the reason I was doing triathlons is because I thought that was the ultimate test. Yeah. Three sports, right? right, right yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like, oh my gosh, if yeah. you can swim, bike, and run, you got it. And you go, oh, no, no, no. It's this thing. EC, thank you so much. For yeah, being thank you guys. It was fun. Friend of the show. Um, OptimizeMeNutrition.com. Yeah. And the podcast is called The Consistency Project. You got it. Go search for both of those things and find you on Instagram, Optimize Me Nutrition, right? That's right. Uh, Thank you so much for being here. Yeah. Um, Ben and I will be back next week. I'm pausing because I want to make sure I don't say this is another episode of The Consistency Project. Ben and I will be back next week for another episode of Chasing Excellence. Until then, stay well.